Back up, please. Hello and welcome to Indicast episode number 198. I'm your host Aditya and along with me I have Abhishek. Hello everyone. We are used to saying this. We are back after a long time. This has been possibly the longest and we have a few excuses or reasons for which we haven't been online. And two life events that Aditya has posted on Facebook. We will talk about them perhaps sometime in the end. But let's get on with things. Yes, let's keep that for the end. The first one, let's start with the Malaysian Airlines MH17. flying from Amsterdam to Kuala Lumpur was shot down at 33,000 feet high by we don't know who above Ukraine in the Ukrainian crisis that is currently going on. There were 298 people from 11 countries, 80 of them were children. The passenger list included 173 Dutch people, 24 Malaysians, 27 Australians, 12 Indonesians, 9 British, 4 German, 4 Belgian, 3 Filipino and one person from Canada and New Zealand. The biggest contingent was a team of AIDS researchers, Dutch researchers, and they had done significant work around AIDS. And there are two people specifically whose demise is going to have a huge impact on AIDS research. Yes. And they say that this was shot down by mistake. By mistake is what is being said, because this happened very close to Donetsk in Ukraine. The Ukrainian government is pointing fingers to the Russian-supported rebels, Russia, but Russians and the rebels are pointing towards Ukraine. And this is not the first time that a plane is being shot down in this particular area. Just two days before MH17 itself was shot down, there were two other Ukrainian military aircraft that were shot down. Today, two hours back, two military jets were shot down 20 kilometers away from the crash site. Absolutely. So that again happened. What has also happened is that earlier US officials had come out and said that there are good reasons to believe that there was some involvement from the Russian side because the surface-to-air missile that was fired from the puck launcher are technically so sophisticated that you need to have training right. to shoot down a plane at 33,000 feet. And there were some reports by Associated Press journalists. They reported that hours before this crash, they had seen a launcher around in the same area which was being put in place. Now, who put it? Was it stolen or was it supplied by the Russians? We don't know. And you talk about sophistication. You can't just have straight terrorists shoot a plane down. Why? Because there are two radars look into the sky for possible military aircrafts that have to be you know, shot down. That information is passed on to the main radar called Snowdrift or it's a radar code apparently. And now that Snowdrift identifies the exact height, direction and range. Then it shares that data with a command and control vehicle, which works in tandem as if to have a second opinion whether this calculation is right. Then that data is sent to a missile launch vehicle. The missile is launched at a speed of 2,100 miles per hour, and it has got a warhead which is 154 pounds worth of explosive on it. And then it goes and does its job. So it's fascinating technology, but it's sad that it is used it's for reasons used. that we know. Yeah. And of course, there is a YouTube clip of conversation happening between two Ukrainian people or Russian people. The translation is given in the YouTube video. They are basically talking about having shot down a Ukrainian plane. And after a while, they come back and say that, oh, no, this was a mistake. And there are a lot of kids and women in the plane. And the guy is asking whether they were carrying any guns. 
and this guy says no this is a civilian aircraft and they shot it down by mistake and the state at the site wasn't too great at all there were drunk rebels who were guarding the bodies secondly there was evidence where rebels had brought debris from other plane crashes and planted oh. it there just to confuse the investigators and why is this important there was an expert who was part of the team which decoded the pan am flight 103 back in 1988 which was bombed two 83 passengers were killed at the time and the investigation relied on a thumbnail size piece of the bomb's timing device which was lying wow. somewhere there so tampering with evidence is this and there was a sky tv presenter who was rummaging through the belongings of you know one of the deceased that got a lot of flack from the social media and other reporters the media was a little sloppy the rebels did what they were trained to do the black box which was recovered it was rumored that it was first given to russia but as we speak it's been transferred to uk where investigation will be carried out by air accidents investigation branch which is at a place called farnborough and the investigation is at a level where the australian prime minister said that it resembles a garden clean up than a forensic investigation it's completely unacceptable yeah. he said and we are living in the 21st century with missiles that can shoot down planes and we can't get people to the crash site 24 hours after the incident happens why because the donetsk airport has been shut down for all civilian because it's an, in a war zone since may absolutely and and what is scary about you know after what happened to mh17 is that you would think that you were safe at 33000 feet barring the the odd hijacking that happens but this changes a lot of things when you sit in an aeroplane there is a certain degree of risk that you take yes things might go wrong but not getting shot out of the sky like that there was a smashed laptop somebody must have been watching a movie there was a diary from a little girl there were a couple of guys from uk who wanted to watch a match and cheer their newcastle united team you mentioned the aids researchers there i know of someone who flew malaysian airlines just today this airlines is supposedly jinxed from what is what has been happening to it for the past couple of months oh yeah completely i don't know i mean who's going to fly malaysian airlines next Do you know who did? I think we can let this out. Ritika, our busy nation oh, co-host, wow. she just flew down to India and she flew in a Malaysian Airlines. There is one story which talks about an Australian woman who lost her brother when the MH370 oh. disappeared. Wow. And last Friday, she learned that her stepdaughter was in the plane that was shot down over Ukraine. So, wow. talk about having... Bad luck. Even bad luck does not make just to, yeah. you know... While this is happening, let's go ahead and talk about what's happening in Iraq. Just, sorry, just to add to your point, we are not safe at 33,000 feet. Just today, all American flights have been cancelled to Israel because a stray rocket from Gaza hit the airport of Tel Aviv in Israel and America just decided that we are not going to fly any of our flights to Israel until the time these guys fix their problem. What is happening in Gaza is very peculiar because typically when all these struggles, well, all these bombings or wars are happening, the troops on either side probably don't want to go into war. You know, they are the ones who are getting killed. But in Gaza, it is said that people who are firing these missiles are actually signing their names on it for firing them. The level of hatred out there is getting to a personal level. true and 
Israel has built what they call the Iron Dome, which intercepts these rockets and shoots them off in mid-air. This Iron Dome for shooting down these rockets from Gaza spends $60,000 per rocket to shoot down. That's the kind of money that they spend on defense because they keep bombing each other. And there was a truce. There was a two-hour truce. So they have truces which last for a ceasefire, which lasts for two hours. And then they are back again. And they showed videos today. Buildings are being bombed. There are children, a photographer from Reuters, I think, he saw through his lens kids playing football on a beach in Gaza. And the next minute, a bomb went off and the three kids were dead. These are the images that you see. Uh, I always thought that the safe search on Google search was meant to block pornographic images. But now I keep it on more to avoid all these horrible images. You can also find similar images posted by this other terrorist organization that we are going to talk about, ISIS. Oh, The way they are going about massacring people and the photos online are crazy. So let's talk about ISIS, right? This organization is the latest in spreading terror all around the world. It was previously named as Jamaat al-Tawid al-Jihad. It basically means Al-Qaeda in Islamic State of Iran. However, it has gone over frequent name changes and is currently known as ISIS, which represents Islamic State in Iraq and Syria. Yes. A few days later, they called themselves just IS, that is Islamic State. So initially, they wanted to have control over the whole swath of Iraq and Syria, they have renamed themselves as IS. They have expanded. Expand. They, yes. they have a larger goal to accomplish now, which is scary. You know, an analogy almost is Apple computers dropping off computers yeah. from their name because they want it to be larger. And they claim to take on the world. And they do that by killing innocents in London, New York and other places. And there are only 12,000 of them, 6,000 in Iraq, some three to 5,000 in Syria. And one third of them are foreigners. So these extremist Muslims who have their own interpretation of jihad or the Quran or whatever it is that they read, they come from France, Britain and many European countries. And I think you told me that there are a few from India also who have joined that gang. Absolutely. There was a news which said that four people from India have also traveled to Baghdad and are believed to have joined ISIS. And what do they do? Their job is to kill Shia Muslims and other minorities like Christians. And just like you have a corporate annual report, they have a yearbook which documents how many assassinations they have done which and how many attacks that they have conducted across. So it's, a, it's an outfit which knows what it is doing. Correct. And if you're thinking that is ISIS part or similar to Al-Qaeda, the answer is no. While ISIS started along with Al-Qaeda, they went their own ways. I think Al-Qaeda themselves disowned these guys for the way they were operating. And I'm reading all this from a report published by Reuters is that Al-Qaeda is most well known in the forms that it is a terrorist organization. You know, it has sleeper cells, training camps, terrorist attacks are all planned. In ISIS right now, they are saying it's like a militia or a rogue territory. You can think of them as Boko Haram, right? Boko Haram is also the same thing. It has its own infrastructure, but it's all random right now. Random is the word for which Al-Qaeda have disowned them, is that they feel that ISIS is too violent for Al-Qaeda's taste. Can you, can you be Imagine that. These guys, yeah. ISIS does not discriminate between a journalist or a student or an aid worker or a diplomat or a common man or even Shia and Sunni Muslims. So if there are casualties, so be it. Their main job is just to take over the Arab world. And current situation is such that they hold posts between Syria and Turkey and quite a few other posts on the border of Syria and Iraq. They have a pact with Jordan that as long as Jordan allows them to enter 
Syria and Iraq through their borders, they will not harm them. And Jordan says, but if you guys come back again from those countries, we are going to bomb the hell out of you. So, complex. It's complex. Absolutely. We don't understand these dynamics just reading news reports. The important question is, you were talking about these missile systems and all these things costing a you know, no pun intended, but costing a bomb. Where does the money come from for ISIS? So apparently they operate in, from this Reuters report, they're calling it as, interestingly, half mafia-style commercial enterprise because almost half of their money comes from international charity, from wealthy donors, you know, across the globe. Part of it is also ISIS selling goods from the places that they take over. So, for example, they took over fields in Syria. Right. So they started reaping profits by selling oil at discounted prices to anyone who is willing to buy and also selling antiques from monuments under its control. They're most probably not spending a lot on buying weapons because they are getting all these weapons from the Iraqi armed forces that are fleeing all these places. However, they are not taking over all the hardware that they are leaving behind, the arms and ammunition. They have been photographed in Humvees. Another important one was when they captured Mosul, Mosul has a government vault that contained more than $425 million. And it is said that based on advances that these guys have made, their war chest now stands at over $2 billion. Iraq's government spends $17 billion on security forces and some of it comes from the US, including arms and ammunition. And these guys make do with, how much did you say? Two billion. Two billion. And there are just 12,000 of them. So the basic math is this. You have a 100,000 strong army in Iraq. Why can't they bring down 12,000 people from ISIS? The reason is you have a prime minister in the name of Maliki to blame. Now, his main job is to bring down ISIS because it's wreaking havoc in the country. But why is ISIS unhappy with Iraq is that Iraq's government hasn't given enough representation to Sunnis is what the ISIS thinks. That's how it started. That's how it started. And Maliki has not given enough reason for them to think otherwise. Why? Because when the American government, uh, sorry, the American troops left in 2011, they had done two things. They had almost eradicated the ISI, as it was called then. They had killed all of their leaders and they had recruited one lakh Sunni Iraqis to join an army, a proper army called Sahava, or it was called the Awakening. It's a tribal force that was meant to fight ISI. After Americans left, Maliki disbanded this group. He broke the promise of integrating them into the army. Many of the people didn't know what to do because ISIS was doing its thing. So they joined ISIS. They needed the money. To save themselves. Yeah, basically to save themselves. And then what does Maliki do in, in his own government? Within 24 hours after the last convoy of the American fighters left, he ordered the vice president to step down. He's in exile. He was the highest ranking Sunni Arab. Then he sacked the governor of the central bank because he was trying to stop Maliki to divert. Iraqis foreign reserves into government's operating budget. He has been given a death sentence. The elections, which are supposed to be you know, fair in a country which is war prone, he had him arrested. There was something called as an integrity commission, which was meant to catch crooks in Maliki's government. He sacked that guy and put his own person there. He created a new post called the officer of commander in chief. And oh, surprise, I mean, he's the guy who heads it. <laughs> And he made a change in the constitution to allow him to change the constitution or draft the legislation to do that. He didn't stop there. Even the highest guy in the army, which is uh, the Iraq's National Intelligence Service, that man had warned Maliki that within the next X hours, your government offices are going to be bombed. He did nothing. Two days later, 
car bombs struck the finance ministry foreign ministry killed 100 of them wounded 500 and there was a beautiful article done by a journalist from the new yorker he said he was interviewing maliki at his office and office meaning if you've seen the godfather it's like the fortress so he lives in a palace which is a fortress so while doing the interview there was a blast that happened somewhere and they got to know this because the cup and saucer started to shake so this journalist was a little taken aback he looked at maliki maliki looked at the journalist and aid walked into the office and maliki just looked at him and said what was that noise just go and check that and he said you know let's continue with this it's a normal day at the office for bombs you know going off there it's that bad so maliki doesn't give reasons for isi to do anything else and how does he get away with it is because isis continues their thing shia muslims don't know what to do so they are sitting tight there is this third contingent called the kurds which just like you have maharashtra mein vidarbha jaisa hai on the top right of the corner you have Kyr- kyrgyzstan if i'm pronouncing kyrgyzstan kyrgyzstan so now these kurds are normally a peace loving community there they just don't want to do anything with what's happening between shias and sunnis but maliki has stopped their share of the federal budget he might have his own reasons so he is doing everything that it takes to have that country in disorder so that he gets to win the third term which i think he has now and they are setting up a parliament now so whatever happened to arab spring i thought all these things were going to end they were going to have democratic governments and all those things just how long was that was that a couple of years ago it was either a renaissance happening or a spring happening or, and suddenly it's like we are almost back in 1998 now Egypt is under military rule Libya there was election right now where 630000 people came to vote out of the 6 million and we are talking about countries which got rid of their dictators and they wanted democracy Yemen is under al qaeda Palestine we know what's happening Saudi Arabia Algeria they are back to square one on the brink of disaster is what the economist writes only in Tunisia where it all started there is some real democracy otherwise the whole of arab world is down in all possible ways even in terms of corruption there was some 220 billion dollars which have been allocated to 6000 odd projects in iraq and there is no work being done you have maliki's son who has no official post in the government and he demands a percentage of the government contracts to be awarded to private companies that he picks and chooses so what are we talking about there is no spring or 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 anything So listening to your almost 5 minute rant that you went on right now not rant but giving out all the information on Maliki we just have to sit back and, and I'm getting a bit emotional right now okay you have to just sit back and thank god or if you are an atheist you can just thank your luck how fortunate we are to be living in peaceful country it just makes you think about that be it the us be it in india we keep on talking about how bad the electricity is our drains are clogged when it rains and all those things those things need to change but at the same time i think we have to thank our gods that we are not in this situation the other day there was a journalist who posted something on facebook he was traveling in berlin and the driver uh, was an iraqi driver so he asked him don't you want to go back to your country he said yeah i have been living in berlin for 7 years but i want to take my son back to iraq but when i called a friend of mine there he tells me that his son is 6 years old he's crying on the sofa because there is a bomb going off outside everywhere there are images of children walking on the streets with their hand on their ears in bosnia when there were floods just 2 months back because of heavy rains 
their problem was not clogged drains but of landmines which have been left unattended from a war that had happened back in mid 80s they could just bump up because of the drainage system being clogged so again thanking a fortune is an understatement just like having bad luck in case of mn17 Oh well that was a lot of international news but let's now move back to India for what's happening out there last week the modi government presented the first budget from their side give us the highlights highlights here you go let's start with the the most sought after or most consumer friendly thing they have increased the investment limit under atc from 1 lakh to 1.5 lakh everyone Yay. yeah this applies to everyone so everyone sort of happy here senior citizens no income tax on income up to 3 lakh rupees 100 crores for training of sports persons for upcoming asian games 1000 crores is provided for rail connectivity in northeastern region remember this area has always been sort of feeling left out and so this is an effort to connect that they're also starting a special news channel a 24 by 7 news channel called arun prabha for them 100 crores this is something awesome 100 crores for development of archaeological sites in india bodh gaya or gaya is is to be developed as a world class tourism spot oh, this archaeological site is important right you remember when we had been to ladakh these monasteries and even to spiti valley these monasteries some of them are world heritage site or have been on that list and they are at the brink of just tittering off from the edge of a mountain because nobody is taking care of them absolutely yeah ladakh and all those things are far away but there are even places right under governments noses are not looked after money well spent the budget needs to be more generous on that part what do you feel about those uh, I, i don't know how many crores but how many crores were dedicated to the statue of mr vallabhai patel oh the statue of, statue of unity 200 crores wow. 200 crores has been allotted to that one it is supposed to be the world's tallest the construction is already on do you think we need any more statues uh, with do you need more statues in india we don't need that absolutely right but i'm hesitating it is part of keeping the history alive it's a, it will be a monument just like statue of liberty is for the us who knows this might go on to become that and if we keep stalling these we will always keep stalling this is that is one argument surely but then there are these politicians who have their own statues in their backyard how much did mayawati or was that the politician oh, six, who spent 65 crores or something like that wow uh well so as part of some other allocation let's talk about um, 100 crores being kept aside for modernization of madrasas and hold your breath 50548 crores proposed for scheduled caste development we have no specifics on that more on that the next one was the news of a 100 billion brics bank being set up by the bric countries this happened after the conclusion of the 6th brics summit brics is brazil russia india china and then south africa these countries have come together and have signed a pact called the currency reserve agreement the primary idea is that whenever anybody has a short term liquidity pressure then they can approach this kitty of 100 billion dollars and take something from there i'm pretty sure it's not just that easy <laughs> yes <laughs> you may have to fill out a few so forms, few forms. <laughs> yes it's headquartered in shanghai and uh, the formation of this bank is probably going to lead to less dependency on the world bank and imf there was this development bank of latin america which was formed back in the 1960s much on the lines of the brics bank they created that bank because they wanted to bypass those rules that were imposed by the world bank for getting loans on infrastructure you know right. infrastructure loans 
and this is not something that modi has come up with this has been in the works for a long time right, right? things like this just don't happen, happen overnight in fact the setting up of the bank itself is going to take 2 years because many of these countries are going to have to go back to their parliament and seek approval india is not required to do that they don't need parliamentary endorsement i don't know why that is if anyone out there knows why india doesn't need a parliamentary sanction can let us know write in at indicast@theindicast.com i tried to find out i couldn't get any sources on that one and and there's one more reason by the way they say that although the brics comprise one fifth of the global economy all right all these five countries but they only have 11% votes at the imf because they are from the go. formerly third world and all that and the world bank itself points out that there is a 1 trillion dollar infrastructure investment gap in their words in developing countries and when we talk about developing countries these five are the biggest talking about brazil being part of brics let's talk about the world cup that just ended in brazil do you have any objections when i say that the right team won the world cup this time Although I'm not much of a football fan, it will not take much of a football mind to dispute that Germany deserved to win that one. I read somewhere that Germans did not celebrate after winning their league matches or any of the knockout matches. They had a banana shake, a pat on the back, and they went about their business to get their eight hours of sleep and get get going. The only time I saw the German coach smile was when they won. When the final after, when the final. even the final whistle was blown even when they massacred sorry that's a bad word given that we've been talking violence today even when they clinically dismembered germany dismantled dismantled yes <laughs> when it was 2-0 3-0 4-0 5-0 would come out of his dugout put his shirt in his trousers look around adjust his shirt and go back into his place as if nothing happened we got more important things to do like win the world cup yeah the other thing that the coach was popular for in this world cup was for digging his nose and then going ahead and shaking hands with players really <laughs> <laughs> that's his nervous tick <laughs> hey that's what he does he wins games okay that is what he does he's allowed to dig his nose if he brings the world cup home that's it but the cool thing was this wasn't luck and this wasn't about having a ronaldo or messi it was not a very experienced team but they were just trained to do the right things absolutely these guys 14 years since 2000 they had this amazing plan in place i think you were telling me that kids as old as 6 years were compulsorily told to play football as part of their curriculum and by the time they were 8 isn't that right they were talent scouts which put them in professional clubs that's right and they went to an extent where there was an england footballer who was roaming around in germany and he told the guardian that in england kids between 16 and 18 years of age who play football study or spend 34 hours a week in classrooms that number in germany is 9 yeah <laughs> do hell with studies is what they say but if you're good enough we are going to take care of you yeah when germany exited the group stages back in 2000 euro this program was put into place and now professional clubs actually adopt schools and the talent that comes out goes in their junior teams and they are groomed you spoke about number of hours being spent in school it is the theory goes is positive reinforcement right you develop the positives so apne yahan pe jaise hota hai ki if he is good in cricket but he is bad in maths so put him for maths tuitions because he was scoring 45 before he will score 53 exactly. he will be a little respectable so what he could have been a wicketkeeper batsman for <laughs> at least a, a ranji trophy team I, I, and Aditya, is this your personal story? Are you talking about your personal? Story? I was a decent wicketkeeper, man. <laughs> But I now know 
that I probably might not have been as good to make it anywhere close to Ranji. But yes, Kanga League, maybe. But still, you're right. In India, that's how it, it happens. I was put into a match tuition in 8th standard for exactly this reason. And there are many like me. But that doesn't happen in Germany. In Germany, what happens is they give out licenses to coaches. By that, I mean trained coaches. There are 28,400 coaches with B license is what they call. That is a junior level as opposed to 1,700 in England. And at the pro level, you have 1,000 coaches as opposed to 115 in England. And the German Football Association, they have a rule that none of the clubs will be owned by any one person or any members. 50 plus one is what they have as a voting pattern. Why? Because you cannot have X number of foreign players in the side or the tickets to the stadiums will be cheap so that the fans are the owners of the clubs. As opposed to in England, you know, the English Premier League, they call the shots. It's not the English football. Oh, yeah, in England. absolutely. Can you tell me where did the word soccer come from? I think the Americans wanted to distinguish between American football and soccer and that's why it got famous. See, it has nothing to do with the Americans. That, that's oh, what even yeah. I thought. And then I'd been uh-huh. to a children's library and I picked up a book saying all that you wanted to know about football. I read like meant for ages yeah. 5 to 8. And this question was in there. And I'm like, yeah, the Americans. No, nothing to do with it. The reason being, the sport came into existence. It was a rowdy sport completely. You could stab each other and you could do whatever that you want in football. It got so brutal that Kings banned the game football. And slowly, rules started coming into the game. That, okay, if you want to play, then you got to do this and that. And then what happened is that everybody who was following these rules came together and formed an association. And that is where the clubs were born. They became part of these associations. So whoever followed the rules for football formed by this association was playing soccer. The word soccer comes from asoc. So, oh. sock. The word sock from association is soccer. That is something new that I have learned today. Mind blowing. <laughs> that that just blew my mind. Any one of, <laughs> you know, and you've been playing football all your been, life. And I got this from a children's book. And what were you doing in that section? I think it's easy to guess because you have a five month. I, I, I have a six month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> six month. Right? Yeah. Coming back to this World Cup, two matches that stood out: Holland versus Spain, right at the beginning, where Holland decimated Spain five one, and then towards the end in semi-finals. Everybody knows about Brazil and Germany. And it, it was one of those high-scoring World Cups. Until the first 14 matches, there was no goalless draw. Per match, goal average was about 3.45, which isn't the norm. But it's still far less than what used to happen back in the 1930s and the 50s. Do you know in 1930, when Uruguay won, Uruguay had this as their team composition. Five forwards, three midfielders, two defenders. <laughs> Five forwards. And they used to score six goals a match. Hungary scored six goals per match in 1954. Holland, when they introduced total football, they had three attackers. Brazil in 1958 had four forwards. In 2010, when Spain won that World Cup, they had one forward and even he was substituted <laughs> in the end. And when Spain won the World Cup, that was the fewest ever goals by a World Cup winning team. Oh. And even the one that Germany won one nil in extra time they had just one forward and he's the guy who scored yes sport has changed in the 1970s they used to run four kilometers per person every match today it's 10 yeah another change that has come into the sport is the foam spray <laughs> oh that's <laughs> most amazing quote unquote innovation where people want to talk about new things right yeah. the foam <laughs> 
it's that white aerosol spray that the referee sprays onto the ground i mean to maintain the distance yeah. can you imagine that so, these are professional trained athletes had <laughs> to keep them in check you freaking have to use a foam to draw a line oh, that you should and you know but it's important there are time wasting tactics that are used by these players who stand on that wall they keep coming forward the referee has to reprimand them go back and then sometimes there are yellow cards that are flashed so it helps you avoid delays trying to increase the angle of elevation during free kicks is how they call it Yes, and talking about increasing the angle of elevation during free kicks, another important innovation was the ball itself. There is a lot of technology that is used to get the ball in shape because in 2010, when Adidas supplied those balls, players were not happy. It used to wobble when you used to hit those free kicks. So this time, there were 600 professional footballers who practiced with that ball while it was being designed. For three years, they kept giving feedback. There was wind tunnel testing, <laughs> computer modeling. There were two Japanese. researchers who were developing five different ball designs and there was a kicking machine why because that ball should curl in the right direction during a free kick at the same time it should thud into the goal when you are hitting that penalty, penalty. and when you are giving that pass the deft touches like the german team did because their average ball position time was 1.1 second so when you give the ball to your player it better go to that player <laughs> in that particular line so the ball to do all of this needs to have what they call a high coefficient of restitution which is it needs to do what your leg tells you to so it has to absorb just the right amount of energy so the ball had got many different little spots just like those basketball right. has those little dots so that the air passes through it and just the right amount of resistance so that the ball does what your leg demands it to that was another highlight in addition to the goal line technology which was used for the first time but you thought a ball is just a ball right when you no know. and you just thought it was 11 players hitting the ball around yeah. 22 players no 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 from all this effort put into hmm. a ball to hmm. the white foam Yes, it's, it's that. that it covered the whole spectrum of technology. Exactly. One was complete IT, the other one was non-IT, <laughs> and yet it helped. I think someone got that idea while having a shave in their bathroom. I'm going to freaking patent this thing and make millions and oh, sell it to people. Somebody did patent it. I think it was a Brazilian back in 2002 who patented this. I wonder why. I mean, you could, for all you know, you could use a Gillette shaving foam to put that on there, right? But it is application of technology. Oh, that can also be patented. Oh, yeah. You can patent business processes these days. So when you use Vix, Vix is used by farmers in certain countries to apply it to the legs of cows after a hard day's work. But anyway, you can't patent that, can you? Because it's just an application of uh, a product. But given the patents that are handed out, I think you can pretty much uh-huh. patent anything these days. They give it away, and if it is challenged, they'll cancel the. That is how it's getting done. And talking about technology and numbers, just just before we wrap this Brazil World Cup bit, do you know one fourth of all games in the knockout stage was decided on penalty shootouts, and there is so much research done on which side the goalkeeper should jump. It's when the striker kicks, it's it's not funny. <laughs> there was some guy who studied more than three thousand penalties. He analyzed them and he found which is the right part of the net that the striker should target. But more than that, the most amazing observation that I found was the statistics show. I'm reading this out that if a player converts a penalty when the scores are level and if he celebrates with one or both of his hands up in the air over the shoulder height then his team has 82% more chance or it is more likely to win as compared to when he doesn't celebrate so you hit the ball you've done a good job you can't just go back raise your freaking arms yeah so there's a and lot of science and if you lose it is your fault because you may Absolutely. have scored <laughs> but you didn't raise your hands up 
and I, and I have known you for 15 years now this engagement shopping is a big thing apparently so it's not that you have to get clothes for the engagement ceremony which is at 4 o'clock but oh what are you going to wear between 11 and 4 a, <laughs> a shirt and jeans and oh no you got to have a new pair of socks shoes and stuff man i thought a, a pair of jeans will cut it out but that doesn't oh, and i was are, i was more like that homer simpson throughout this <laughs> engagement thing i didn't do a thing i didn't <laughs> except that day you know to get to get get a couple of things to yeah wear. people were doing things to you yeah, yeah. right i mean but i had a good time at the engagement it was fun and the big it... news on the other side with aditya having company from his 5 month old kid as well as a lovely dog who doesn't seem very happy right now perhaps because the texas heat is getting to that dog because aditya is recording this from texas where he is with his brother and he will be moving to canada for all you listeners who have been with us for a long time you might enjoy listening to this he will be doing a two year mba course so best of luck my friend that's quite something for all the episodes indefinitely we will be across two time zones and hopefully this might just get us to record a little more frequently like we did before when aditya was in new york that is what i'm hoping you you've always wanted to move outside india and this is this is something that you wanted so that's that's great It's not that you know I always wanted to move because I hate India and you know India. <laughs> no, 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 not that. Okay. It's yeah, not yeah. that. I wanted to try working outside as well. I've already done it once. I liked it, and I yes. want to do it again. It's just that. Best of luck. You just have to bear with the minus fifty degrees Celsius <laughs> in in Canada, Toronto, Alberta, wherever it is that you will live, because it's going to be the same all across. I've already done the student thing once, yeah. and I was excited the first time. very excited that's amazing man because it really is i'm not sure if i am cut out to do proper studies now and that is what i worry about for, for myself is <laughs> the two things that worry me when i'm going to start my program is first how am i going to deal with the cold i sometimes wear my sweater when i open the fridge i don't i don't take very kindly to cold climate and the average temperature out in canada during winters or in last winter it was harsh they had a week of minus 40 otherwise what wikipedia says is that minus 5 is on an average what it goes and the second thing that i'm most worried about is not how tough the classes are going to be what i'm worried about is how am i going to sit in one place for 2 hours not talk and listen to someone else talk the indian work environment doesn't prepare you for, for this that. it'll take you two months to get used to it man and then you will yeah you'll have a good time residential course i know we have at least two or three listeners from canada if not more yeah we have a couple of friends in toronto specifically i look forward to catching up with them yes do that and talking about our listeners and friends uh, let's talk about some of the pictures that they have clicked while they were listening to indicas last time around so what we had asked our listeners to do is click a photo of wherever they were or whatever they had in front of them while listening to the episode and just emailing it to indicas@theindicas.com Yes and we've got some interesting entries this time around as well please do it right now as well as we speak please click anything around you and even if you've submitted a picture to us once in the past do it again if you are in a different environment it will be great for us to see them do you want to give out the list quickly sure so the picture from arti verma is uh, she has sent us a photo of uh, her pretending to work picture of her three big white screen computers then the next one that that i have is from chinmay from kolio square singapore it's a nice piece it's a beautiful picture ankit has sent us a picture when he was while taking a walk with his dog in london 
it was beautiful summer back then then we have one from kiran nag who has sent us a, a very interesting photo of he and his buddies getting into his ship you have to post all these pictures on theindicast.com next one is from douglas de carvalho from bilbao bas country he has posted a picture of beautiful paintings that he has in his uh, living room the next one that we have is from shelly johansen i think johansen it's while she was weeding the back garden the next one is was from nilesh he is in the midwest us and nilesh joshi he has sent us uh, two beautiful pictures of him driving down the road one is a beautiful sunset that he saw nilesh joshi has sent another couple of entries again taken from his car window at 6 am in the morning guess he was driving to work then somya chand has sent us a photo of him just taking a nap when he was listening to our podcast from bhuvneshwar yes. yes the next one is nirav patel of a beautiful picture of lake moraine that he took from his iphone and then samir damani he just took a screenshot of his computer screen because that is what he had in front of him uh, another picture that was tweeted at me by k choudhury his twitter handle is at k choudhury he was waiting at a traffic light and was waiting for it to turn There's one from Ravi from Gujarat. He's staring at his computer screen. He's an architect and listening to Indicast. And there is Sandeep from Toronto. Sian Tower, I think, from his office window, is what he has given us. And Ishan from Toronto. Well, he's at a bus stop on his way to work. And Muskan, she sends us a screenshot of a Google image search of the song "Hamne Dekhi Hai In Aankhon Ki Mehkti Khushbu," about which we joked a little bit a couple of podcasts back. Well thanks a lot all of you for all these submissions please keep sending them in and even if we haven't done justice to describing them we will we promise post all of these on our website and we'll do that soon we keep saying that but we don't but we'll we'll do that next time and uh, moving on to soundscapes the two of them that we have from I'll quickly play those we have one from Neil Neil says that he was on a vacation in Odisha in village Remuna and this place is famous for Uh, it's beaches and also for the test missile launch center of india and he recorded this on a quiet afternoon while sipping tea and there was a lot of greenery around him and this is how it sounds like that's beautiful and he says that the bird that you listen to is quail but he doesn't know what the creature is in the middle if any one of the listeners who knows a thing or two about birds please chip in we'll move on to the next one there's one from anandita who was traveling between uti and coimbatore and she says that there was a bus conductor who was blowing this annoyingly noisy whistle standing right next to her literally in my ear and this is how it sounds like and she was woken by this and uh, went on to finish her journey and then she went to bhutan we love these soundscapes so you listen to anything interesting around you just flip open your mobile phone record it for 10 seconds and send it to indicast at the indicast.com we do listen to them and uh, we'll upload them online too oh aditya are you around absolutely <laughs> <laughs> i was on mute because yeah. i was I had a lot of background noise. Oh, there, there it is. Yes. That's about it, guys. That was our episode number one ninety eight. We are closing in on two hundred. Let's see if we can pull something special out for two hundred this time too. Oh, that is just to be on time. That's the special thing that will be. <laughs> That's just. That was a good yeah. one, actually. <laughs>
So I'm going to go buy myself a headset so that we can have a lot better audio quality and a lot less background noise. That will happen in the next episode, which we'll record in the next week. That'll be the first episode that we'll record when I'm in Canada. So, inshallah, inshallah. Uh, I have the visa. Why do you think? So? <laughs> no, no. I said. Uh, I, 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 oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I, I wish you happy and safe journey. I meant uh, our schedule. <laughs> Inshallah, for the schedule, man. For the schedule. Okay. Yes. Follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Indicast. Email us your picture submissions at Indicast at theindicast dot com. You can tweet at, at us also, and you can submit your soundscapes on the same email address uh, that I just gave you. Indicast at theindicast dot com. That's about it guys. Bye bye. Bye bye.